Thanks for tuning in to the Tactical Toughness Podcast, a podcast dedicated to emergency responders and their families. This is a place to find tips and education specific to mental health and wellness for our responder community. I'm the wife of a responder and the director of training for a nonprofit in Colorado. I also have a license in marriage and family therapy. Since 2018, I've provided direct care to emergency responders and their families across the Front Range in Colorado, including counseling, peer support, education, and supervision, as well as critical incident response. In this space, my hope is to bring some of that knowledge and experience to you so you and your families can incorporate wellness into your lives, not just so you can survive in this career, but thrive in it. The most valuable lesson I have learned in working with this population is the importance of putting your oxygen mask on first. episode of Tactical Toughness, and I'm so excited because I have my first guest on my podcast today, and it is my friend Travis Hopwood, and he is a district chief with West Metro, and he's been at West Metro for 23 years, and I've had the pleasure of working with West Metro for the last year and a half, uh, doing clinical oversight for their peer support team, but also doing station visits and just kind of getting to know their department as a whole. And uh, the reason why Travis is, uh, is a guest on my podcast is because uh, a couple of months ago, I was doing a ride along with the department and I stepped into his truck and he was like, Emily, I'm so glad that you're riding with me today because I want to pick your brain. And, uh, and that's where I want to let Travis like uh, share a little bit of uh, what, uh, what really prompted this conversation between us today. Fantastic. It's great to be here, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so... Emily showed up at my station and was coming to do a ride, and I had just attended a really phenomenal conference at the U.S. Air Force Academy called the National Character and Leadership Symposium, a thing that they've been doing for uh, 30 years now, and the cadets put it on, bringing an amazing group of speakers through the course of a couple of days, and uh, one of the first speakers that I heard there was an astronaut with NASA, um, now General Raj Shari. And one of the things that he talked about from a NASA perspective was reentry. And he jokingly talked about, we're not talking about coming in from the atmosphere, but how NASA is looking at what it's like for an astronaut to come home from working at the International Space Station and then having to come back to their family back on Earth after six to eight months being away. And it, w- it struck me because if NASA is investing a lot of effort into making that successful for our astronauts. What is the impact to us as firefighters when we basically re-enter uh, every 48 hours? Yeah. And uh, it made me reflect on a lot of ups and downs that I've had through my career with my spouse and family and uh, some professional help that I have needed to navigate that a little bit. and. So, of course, Emily got in the truck and I was all jazzed and said, let's ju- <laughs> let's jump in, let's dive in and talk about this. Yeah, you had said that you had run a couple of calls that night and like you ended up back in your room and you were just writing down notes. And I was like, I want to know what is on your notes. <laughs> and uh, yes. and we, we, jo- we joked about writing a book together about it. And then I shared with him, I was starting this podcast and I immediately, you know, said, you need to come on so we can talk about this. Um, because it's so true. There's really nothing out there that's like very specific to first responders and how this impacts the first responder community and just their their lives and their family lives and like what it's like to kind of 
go from the third world to the first world. Like that's how I heard my husband describe it once. He said like working as a firefighter is like working in a third world country where everybody who like works with you understands how that third world country functions. But then you go back home to your first world and you're like trying to make sense of the two. And I, when I heard him say that, it like really blew my mind. I was like, I don't think I'll ever forget that. No, that's a yeah. great description. And it's interesting, the small amount of research that I did, a lot of stuff referenced military uh, uh, folks that have been deployed and are coming back. There's a lot of good examples of this reentry, and there's not a lot of great stuff out there and for sure specific to the fire service right. about how we can do things better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious, um, early in your career, what was it yeah. like for you? What was the exit and reentry like? Oh my gosh, terrible. Um, I uh, had no training on this, no conversations. And uh, I started out as a paramedic and on a, an ambulance. We're just getting busier and busier. So I won't say it was you know, busy because all of my coworkers will tease me about how you don't know what busy is, but it felt busy at the time yeah. and uh, up at night and, you know, you come home in the morning and you're tired and we had young kids at the time and uh, my wife needed support and I just wanted to like go and lay down. And so mm. not equipped with a lot of tools to manage that. And we had a very rocky beginning to my fire service career with with this subject in particular. And honestly, it was um, seeking professional counseling for us as a couple to talk about tools that was a, a huge benefit that has helped us now in these longer years. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely have, this is a conversation I have with people often in regards to the, the coming home piece, because yep. um, especially like in the, in the stage of life that you mentioned where uh, families are like the solo parenting especially for two days, right? Like if, with little ones, um, the spouses are dealing with their own kind of shift while you're gone and having yes. to like run the ship, right? And um, something that can be really challenging is that because they've been at home doing things alone for two days, when you come home, there can be like a sense of relief, but it can also add a sense of stress because yep. it's like, I've been doing things on my own for two days and now you're coming in and like interrupting my process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's anecdotal but I feel like firefighters end up with very strong personalities in their counterparts. Um, I think yeah. it's just something that's natural because they have that 48 hours where they're, they're doing their own thing. And yep. absolutely we disrupt that pattern when we come home. Yeah. And so it's, it's not just for us as the first responder, but it's definitely for our spouses to, um, to have those tools. And we have to both acknowledge where we're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder uh, what was that like for your wife to like address her own struggles with you? How did she do that? Well, I think we did, you know, like I said, it really helped to have a third party be there to help us navigate mm -hmm. that without any, any, any anger building up, but to just acknowledge that that thing exists mm -hmm. and then to talk about it from her perspective of running the ship. Mm -hmm. I think you, you said that great being a Navy guy. That's awesome. <laughs> and from my perspective of coming home and that reentry. Yeah. And so um, we both have to have uh, time to adjust to coming back together. Mm -hmm. And for us as the first responder coming home, how, how we navigate that. And then for them being ready to receive us and what that looks like. Yeah. Did you guys come up with any sort of like code? for how to communicate? 
no, I think we just learned the some of the things that you and I talked about a little bit, but we learned about just knowing that that space can be challenging. Yeah. And so not to overwhelm each other immediately walking through yes. the door. And that happened a couple of times. There was one time I came home early on and I was handed a very small child <laughs> and um, my wife walked out the door and said, I'll be back. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be in an hour or like in a few days, it was oh. just been, it had been a rough couple of days yeah. for her. And so, um, you know, so we learned that we have to have that space of time where I don't come home and start giving orders right away. Mm -hmm. um, and she doesn't uh, sit down with me and want to talk about the household budget yeah. on that first, you know, on that first moment when we're home together, mm -hmm. just an easing back in for both of us. I don't want to disrupt her leadership pattern mm -hmm. and she should not necessarily slam me with a bunch she of does. household stuff right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh, in my relationship that with my husband, when he'd come home, I'd call it the buffer wheel. Mm, like yep. I could just see the wheel spinning in his brain because I was saying too much. Yep. You know, and I'm like, you've been gone. I'm so excited that you're back. And like, I've missed you. We've barely had a chance to talk. And like, this is all the stuff that's been going on for two days. Like we don't have kids yet. So like, yeah. you know, he's, he's in a position where he can just kind of come home and do whatever he needs to. But if I'm there and I'm like excited to see him, I'm an extrovert. So <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's great when people are around, um, that I could tell like his brain was just like, not tracking At anything all. I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And um, for those who have kids, everybody talks about the terrible twos, but nobody really lets you in on the secret that three is actually worse. Yeah, three majors. Oh, terrible. <laughs> so in the yeah. same aspect, that first coming home can be super challenging, but what we learned in our relationship, and I don't know if anybody has the same experience, is actually day two of our four-day is worse. Oh. I think when you come home, you still have that adrenaline of the shift. Yeah. Uh, you want to be that um, that spouse that's attentive and you mm -hmm. want to hit the ground running and um, and support your spouse and so I found that I would come home and be like uh, I'd really be focused on wanting to do well and kind of power through that first day mm -hmm. and day two uh, had a tendency to be worse and so that's another thing to just recognize if that's your pattern mm -hmm. then um, I would still highly encourage the buffer but if you're recognizing that maybe there's another spot in there that's a little tricky, yeah. don't discount that. Oh, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. I've not heard anybody say that yet, that like day two can actually be worse. And I, what I, I do hear a lot of, especially in my practice and working with a lot of responder couples is that the responder partner coming home does, they want to step into like being the best dad they can, the best husband they can, like whatever that means, because they're recognizing that their partner at home has been doing all of this alone for two days, but yep. then they're also not taking care of themselves. And, and so it's, it's a fine line. Like I, I just wonder, you know, for you guys, like in your experience, did it look different every, every four day? It did. I think a lot of it depends on your sleep pattern. Yeah. Um, I think when you're younger in the fire service, you actually do better with sleep. I think as you age and it's just harder to sleep anyway, that it can be more disruptive. But I think when you have a good night, you come home a little more energized and it feels a little different than if yeah. you have a, a five call after 10 o'clock kind of night. Um, that you're coming back to and you just really are slammed and, and then you're basically walking through the door looking where your first nap is going to be. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, it ebbs and flows, but yeah. um, I think setting it up so that you're always following the same pattern where you have that buffer time. We talked a little bit about it, but 
try and set up some kind of habit where yeah. it's, you know, you, you drive home the more relaxing way that might take mm -hmm. 15 minutes longer. Um, you pick a different kind of music to drive home with. You, or silence. Or silence. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you go mountain biking before you come home or you go and have coffee with your coworkers before you come home, but you build some kind of buffer in that mm -hmm. allows you that decompression time before you walk through the door. It's going to sound like a funny metaphor, but it's like a transitional object that yeah. you might do with kids when you're trying to like get them to stop, you know, using bottles. Sure. <laughs> yep. right? It's like a funny thought that just crossed my mind, but, but I, I do consider it like the transition time of like, how are you, how are you reentering? Cause that is you reentering yeah. and you're coming off of not just like sleep deprivation, but also adrenaline and cortisol. Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of people don't know is what's happening like chemically in your body. You have a constant drip of, of adrenaline and cortisol going through your system while you're on duty, running calls or not. And then you come off work where there's no longer like the threat of tones going off that uh, you have a dump of those hormones. And I usually call it asshole syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yep. you know, for my husband, it's the buffer wheel, right? So, um, so it just, every person looks different, but I've had so many spouses be like, wait, that's not just my partner that's coming home. That's looking, that's like rude and spicy and snappy. And I'm like, nope, sorry. You're not, it's not just it's not just you, uh, because, uh, you have to also consider like chemically what is going on. And ideally it's because you're coming back into your safe place. And so yep. like everything, those hormones drop, but like you've been feeding off of them for two days. So then to Absolutely. like go back into like a sense of normalcy, like you also have to do things to, uh, fight against those stress hormones. Well, general Shari, uh, from NASA talked about, you're working on the ISS with a crack team of scientists and engineers, yeah. and you're doing all of these crazy, amazing things. And then you come home and your wife wants you to take out the trash. Yep. And it's the same thing in the fire service. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't want to jazz it up too much, but we're working with the same people all the time. We become very close. It's like our second family. Yeah. And to all, you know, we're working cardiac arrests and, you know, choreographing a house fire and doing a lot of like technical stuff yeah. and it's pretty cool. And then when you come home and it's time to change a dirty diaper, it's, it's a tough transition. Yeah. And yeah. again, you're, you've got all that cortisol on board. You're like, it, it's a, it's a tough transition. Yeah. And not only that, you're having to do chores at the fire station all the time. Sure. And then I know that that can be a challenge for many too, of like, ah. I just was doing this at work and now I have to do it at home. Yep. Right. And that yep. can be really hard too, of like just kind of diving into this. It's a similar role, but it's in different environments, but it, it can still create stress. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, one of the things you and I talked about a little bit to touch on, to touch on is that having conversations when you're in a good space, like maybe day three or yeah. day four of, of a four day and, mm -hmm. and having those conversations about what things need to look like. And maybe day one isn't the best day to, to do yeah. housework or something like that. Um, I really like one of the things that you said, which is talking about things in advance yes. and, and laying yeah. those ground rules when you're in a good place. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about the next four day on the current four day. <laughs> Correct. And, and I, and I do that for a number of reasons because like say that there is something that will be day one 
Yep. Right. Yep. And it's, it's kind of out of your control. Uh, it's happening. And, but maybe it's also like you're leaving on a vacation, which I know generally like people don't, they don't really want to leave on vacation on their day one. I yep. make my husband do it all the time. Sorry, babe. Um, <laughs> Cause right. it's like, Hey, we've got four days. Let's like take advantage of it. Oh, it happens yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but just having that mental preparation of like, this is what's happening. And I want you to know that that's what's happening because I don't want it to be a surprise to you. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to, to like enter into that space with a bad attitude, right. Or being grumpy. (laughs) Yep. Well, one of the things that helped uh, my wife and I out was combining our calendars, whether you're uh, an iPhone person or an Android person having a shared calendar. And Mm -hmm. so she would add things while I'm at work and I put my work things on there. And so we can see what's going on. We don't overlap each other's stuff. Yeah. That's really helpful. So on the 48, when you're running calls and she's scheduling something, then you can see it and... That helped us to not um, hit snags, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. There's a there's a great calendar app out there called Fire Sync. This is not huh. a promo for them, but it just <laughs> happens to uh, be helpful. You can plug in your agency, and it'll automatically pull like add the shift calendar oh, nice. to the to it. And then if like with my iPhone, it automatically adds all of my iPhone events into Fire Sync. Well, that's pretty cool. I know. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. You're welcome, fire people. There you go. I can't speak for law enforcement or EMS, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. But it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my husband is not, uh, he doesn't love technology. And mm-hmm. so like the, the phone calendars are not his favorite. Um, so for us, we, we discovered that having like a big whiteboard calendar works really well for us. Yep. Um, but then he has to like make sure he's updating it for himself because he might take a picture of it at the beginning of the month and then information <laughs> changes. So, um, right. but it's helpful because for him, it's like that bigger visual of like, Hey, this is kind of like broad scope, what our month looks like. Um, but obviously like shared calendars can be a really useful thing just so that way yeah there's a little bit more mental preparation right because that's yeah. that's definitely something i see a lot is that struggle of like Ugh, i know that i have to do this thing but at least if you know about it in advance there's whether you're aware of it or not psychologically i think your brain is like reserving energy to do that thing to come home and hit the vacation yeah. that you like yeah, to take exactly. right yeah. when you get there yeah. absolutely well and recognizing it's not perfect You're going to have hiccups in your plan. And so then I like what you said earlier about, do you have a code word? Do you have a, you know, is it, um, I joke about uh, going to the cave. (laughs) Like if, if you need to retreat for a second, so you don't have um, a blow up, then, you know, just have some stuff again, when you're in a good space, have those conversations about if it's going south, what do we do yeah. and come up with a plan so that you can recover? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I have friends that will like their code might be asking about sleep, but that's, you know, that if that works for you, great, but usually your sleep isn't great. Um, yep. And then another colleague who said that uh, based off of whatever they wanted to make for dinner that night, that told their loved one what kind of shift they Ooh, had. Oh, nice. So they're nice. like, I'm getting Mexican food for dinner. And then the partner was like, noted. <laughs> like, Very good. you've had a bad day. <laughs> well, yeah. and it's funny you bring that up because early on, uh, my wife would ask me if uh, I needed to lay down, mm. which was like her code word for a year, a little raw. And mm. I did not take that well. It was like directing me and, you know, 
A lot of us have those type A personalities yeah. where we're more leader driven than being led. And that's, that's a weakness for sure. Um, but that was, that did not work well for me. So mm. we, we shifted away from that for her. So, so how um, did, what did that look like then for you guys to transition into something else more helpful? Um, she just stopped using that phrase okay. and then would, would ask kind of what you said, like, Hey, how was, how was last night? Yeah. And just give me an opportunity to describe how the night was mm-hmm. and then go, Oh yeah, I ran five calls after 10 and she'd be like, Oh, well there's nothing on the calendar. Yeah. And just sort of leave it open. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, something I'll guide a lot of my couples in doing too is, is asking not just the responder partner, how their shift was, but having the responder partner ask their spouse how their shift was because it yep. goes both ways. And yep. I can, I can say this as a spouse, like we are very quick to minimize what we do uh, because uh, you guys are saving lives and <laughs> uh, it's important. And, but what we do is important too, whether it's running a home or sitting at a desk and, and helping people make wise financial decisions, like as an accountant, right. Yep. Um, that they're, they're all important. It's, it's just can be much easier for us to minimize um, what we're doing and how we're contributing. But I've, I've also taken like a slightly different approach of, um, I mean, I realize I'm in mental health and I'm contributing to the, to like people's lives as well. Um, but I also, uh, I'm proud of the fact that like, I want to make an environment for my husband, a peaceful place, um, and a place where he can come home and feel like this is my safe place. This is where I can relax and, uh, and know exactly like where, where my place is. Right. Sure. Like he's he's comfortable there. It's peaceful. It's homey. And and I don't do that as a point of like, if I don't, he's going to be mad. I do that from a place of like, I want him to feel that way because it's per, it's makes him uh, he'll do better at his job and he'll be better at home. Right. Like it's my way of like contributing to our relationship. But it's also my way of contributing to the fact that he is out there saving lives. Well, and you said something earlier that I really appreciate, which is we have to have the emotional intelligence to be prepared to acknowledge the contribution of our spouse and what that looks like. And so if you come home and there's dishes in the sink, wash them. And if you come home and uh, one of your kids needs a diaper change, do it. Um, You know, again, there's that buffer time, but, but hit the ground running and constantly remind your spouse of the contribution that they're making. (laughs) Because like you said, they're yeah. making a comfortable environment for you to come home mm-hmm. to in, in most circumstances yeah. and recognize that. Uh, give your spouse the credit where credit's due. Yeah. Um, it's not just at your promotional ceremonies where you say, I, I thank my wife and kids, but, but do it at home. Do it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know that can be challenging. Like, I do want to acknowledge that, like the idea of coming home and there's dishes in the sink, right? Because like you've maybe come in from an environment, like I know when I go into a firehouse, like it's clean. Yeah. And so that can be really difficult too of like, that is just what we do. We are constantly picking up and doing things, but needing to remember too that like your spouse is doing it alone and you've Mm -hmm. been there with other people. Like it's not just you contributing to like the cleanliness of your living environment. So especially if you've got one, like your, your, your loved one at home by themselves, literally with multiple children, like that is up to them to make sure things happen, depending on how old your kids are. Um, And that's a lot to try to do on their own. So like, I think grace both ways is super important to be like, Hey, it's okay that you didn't get everything done. You you kept our kids alive or you kept the house uh, in good shape. Like, like uh, just being grateful for that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to minimize like, 
the whatever struggle they had, right? Because maybe the kids were super extra while you were gone and, and you just, maybe they were sick or maybe they, you know, I call it the curse of the fire life life. Like shit happens when you guys are gone. It just does. Like the water heater goes out or your basement floods or like, or like a kid ends up in the emergency room. Like it's always going to happen when you're on shift. It does. It, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a kid goes to the emergency room. It always happens that your kid goes to the hospital when you're on shift. I, I, I think there's some sort of curse there but that's why i said it's the curse of the fire wife life. absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and yeah. like i said i think that firefighters end up marrying really strong partners because mm-hmm. of that because they have that leadership capability yep. and so you have to recognize that and honor that in them it's so true yeah i i uh i liked i've been saying lately that i think my husband knew me better than i knew myself when he and i met uh, I was 21 when we met. I was, we were really young, but he was, uh, he was working his way into the fire service and, and I had no clue like that he knew that he was looking for somebody with a sense of independence yep. and ability to just like, I can, I can soldier on and, yeah. uh, which is true because like, I have to be able to like forge ahead because I'm by myself a lot. And, and even though we don't have kids yet, it's still like, there's still a lot of stuff I'm having to manage. Um, like, like our basement flooding, like (laughs) he's not home to help me manage that. Like, I just have to, I just have to do it. Like, and he's sorry, he's not available to help, but I'm like, it's okay. Like you have to go to work. This is just kind of, it just kind of comes with the territory. Right. Responders. Uh, have you ever had that phone call at work where you, you're, you're able to answer the phone and it's the, Hey, I need help with something and trying to help your partner navigate Mm. like getting on the computer or how do I, um, you know, shut the water off, whatever those calls never seem to go well in my household. Uh, we, we actually joke about it, you know, cause I'll answer and be like, it's going to be one of these awful, awful calls, but I need help with something like right now. So again, um, having the patience to, to walk through that together is, is a good thing because your leader sometimes needs some help too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's so true. For sure. Um, tell me about transitions for going back to work. Oh, great. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, trying to get a good night's sleep before you go back to work, really trying to set your partner up for success mm-hmm. by making sure, I, I liked what you said earlier about talking about the next four day mm-hmm. before you go into work, so you have that all together. I like uh, something that you mentioned to me in writing, which is not looking at the schedule or your mm-hmm. email a whole bunch before you go in, um, yeah. you know take a one look at that stuff and then set it aside. That's one of the great things about our job. Most of our positions is you can set it aside and go home and there's two other shifts that are going to cover things while you're gone. Um, And that's a huge blessing. It changes a little bit as you promote, but for the most part you can set stuff aside. So set it aside. Um, You know, our organization has an app called pulse point, which Mm -hmm. sets off all of your tones. Turn that off. You're not running those calls. So, you know, focus on your family while you're on your four day. 100%. And Most of my agencies use active 911. Yeah. Same thing. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here at our house, I like to set my stuff out the evening before. So it's all ready to go. And then I'm not scrambling to do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. I know some people that, cause, um, I go in at night now, but when I went in the morning, I know some people whose spouses get up and have breakfast with them and all that. And that was just not us. Um, I'm like, I, I literally went, yeah. that's cute. Right. Isn't that so sweet? Yeah. No. Um, I'm like, I'm not waking up that early. Right. And, and that's okay. If that's your yeah, thing, that's exactly, great. Yeah. But um, I try to be quiet and let my wife keep sleeping because yeah. I go in early. 
And so, you know, just uh, having that all prepared so that you can sneak out in the morning. If yeah. that's if that's your rhythm, then that's great. Um, but uh, those are just some of the tools, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like I shared with you, like that's the thing I, I'll instruct people a lot is like, get your stuff ready earlier in the day. Like, don't wait until right before you go to bed or right in the morning as you're trying to leave. If you have some food prep you need to do, get it done. Yeah. Um, get your bag ready in the morning. Like you don't yeah. even, don't have to do it at night because like you start using those transitional cues and your brain is already kind of re-entering back into work. And I can imagine maybe even some of that adrenaline and cortisol is starting to drip already, mm. even before you get on duty. And so uh, practicing some of those habits of like do it earlier and then like you can tell your brain, I've already gotten ready for work. I don't need to worry about that until tomorrow morning when I wake up. Yep. I just was at another conference where they talked about what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. And is it turning on? Most of us is touching our phone because we usually use our alarms. For yeah. that. But is it is it looking at your work email? Is that the first thing you do? Or mm -hmm. is it uh, like looking at your staffing program to see if you are going to get an overtime that morning? Or what does that look like? And, and maybe that not be your first thing yeah. and be intentional about about not doing those work things when you're on your four day. And I, I kind of like that about, mm. about being uh, intentional about what the first thing it is you do every morning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this is definitely a challenging topic. This is one that comes up often in my office and yep. just talking with crews at stations. They're like, yeah, family life. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This, this job can have a pretty severe impact on family life. Um, divorce rates are really high. Uh, infidelity is unfortunately really high. Uh, PTSD can can wreak havoc on people's home lives. Yeah. Uh, just the sleep deprivation, all of those things, right? And it can create has the potential to create an atmosphere of resentment. Um, and that's I've I've definitely experienced that with some of my couples that I work with of like resentment towards the job uh, because it does demand a lot of you. It demands a lot of our responder personnel and like what you guys have to show up and do. And uh, you are like even if you're you're away from your kids, like you're still having to do a lot at yeah. work and it's it's exhausting and demanding. And so uh, having grace for that, too, I think from from our end is important. Just like I said, I think that grace and that emotional intelligence goes both ways of like I can extend grace to you for you having been on a really difficult shift. And like I need grace in return for maybe not having done everything I wanted to do to accomplish like on the home front. Yep. Um, but the, the fact that like you guys do go through a lot and. Uh, you don't always have the recovery time you need. And even though the 4896 schedule is the one is the one that has been determined to be the best for recovery time, I still think like you guys operate on a six day work week, right? Like that's how your brains think. Yeah. Um, but really, it's like you're working for three days because of the time it takes to transition home and the time that you're transitioning back into work that you really don't get four days. Right. It's, you know, and nobody's getting any slower right so we have busy companies across the denver metro area yeah. that are you know you're losing a, a lot of that first day to recover yeah just from the sleep deprivation like yeah. you said yeah um to come back to that uh, before you go to work thing yeah. one of the things that we like to do as well is I, I try to schedule or frame in some quality family time mm. My kids are older now, so a lot of times it's hard to pin them down. So maybe it's just my spouse and I. But, yeah. um, you know, whether it's you're sitting and watching a movie and you're just sitting together and having some quiet time or you go out to dinner um, at, at, and do something fun, something like that. So 
you know, one of the last things you do before you go into work is that you've spent some time with your family. Yeah. Um, that has meant a lot to us through the years mm-hmm. of growing up. Um, I heard another thing about about exposing our children and our families mm-hmm. to the trauma. We don't think about it. We come home and talk about, yeah, we had this really cool GSW and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I've now realized that I've, I've tainted my children in some ways because, <laughs> uh, because of the things we come back and talk about. Yeah. And I know some people th- say you shouldn't talk about any of that stuff with your family. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I don't know what you'd I, say about yeah, that, but we I have to share. We're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so... But recognize what you're doing to your kids. I uh, am comfortable in saying that uh, my kids have talked to Building Warriors clinicians, mm-hmm. and it helps um, that they go with somebody that has the background, so they don't have to dig through all that. You know, your dad comes home and talks about dead people. Yeah. They, they, they <laughs> yep. get through that. It's a, yeah. it's a really good environment, and yeah. um, you know, make that opportunity for your kids yeah. or your spouse uh, to sit down and talk with somebody about. Because a lot of times they'll be they'll be holding that back because they don't necessarily want to burden you with it, yeah. um, but you know maybe it's really healthy for them to go and and talk with somebody about. And my dad comes home and talks about this stuff a lot, and um, and maybe it'll empower them to to tell you to back off or whatever. Yeah. But um, uh, just recognize the impact that you're having on your family when you come home and and yeah. share the abnormal things from the third world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's so funny. Like we will have people over for dinner and they'll like say something that it's borderline gruesome and they're like oh sorry that's like not dinner table conversation I'm like you do know whose house you're in yeah right? oh, absolutely. Like, like my husband is a firefighter and I work with first responders like our sense of what's normal and our humor is is pretty twisted I, <laughs> I knew I had wrecked my wife uh when she had gone to an all girls event at some kind some dinner whatever with five or six other ladies and tells a story of mine from work that we laughed about and had, and thought it was pretty funny at home, but yeah. it involved a dead body and whatever. And, and your know, friend's faces are turning pale and they are like, what are you telling us? And she's like, Oh, and she came back and shared that with me. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the point. We've, we've, I've broken her. We are now those people. <laughs> we're never going back. Correct. Yeah. Yep. You know, but I, I do want to address, though, the uh, what you talked about, like, do we share that or do we not? And yeah. um, I, I have come across many first responders who are like, yeah, I don't talk about work with my wife um, or whatever it might be because I don't want to traumatize them. And, and I've been sharing with crews as we've been talking about exposure to trauma that, like, you guys as first responders have both primary and secondary trauma because you have exposure to an event and you have experience of an event. And so somebody else's worst day might now become your worst day. And, and how, do, how do you talk about that, right? Because uh, for you guys, you're, very, you're, you're problem solving in your thinking. And so you go about it from like, this happened and this happened and this happened. And it sounds like an after action review, right? Yep. It's like very factual. Yep. Uh, and, and I think those are the parts that like us on the, like the non-responding side of the equation are like, what was, wait, what? Like, I can't believe you did that. Or like you had to run that call. Like that sounds really awful. And then a lot of us too want to know the outcomes. 
and you guys don't always know the outcomes. <laughs> no. and so Charles, my wife, insane. <laughs> right? Yeah, insane. we're like, but then what yeah. happened? You're like, oh, I don't know. We dropped him off at the hospital, and you're like, yeah. back to dinner. <laughs> yep, got the next call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and those of us are like, we're like, what? But like, I want now. I need to know. Now you've hooked me into the story, <laughs> and now I need to know what happened. Uh, but I, I encourage people to, especially because like maybe they have traumatized some of their loved ones, and I want to acknowledge that that certainly has happened. Not everybody is really uh, prepared to hear the kind of things that you guys have to deal with. Uh, and so I encourage you uh, to, to have a conversation in a different way. Don't just talk about the facts of what happened. Talk about what it was like for you, because that's where you're going to connect with your partner. You're going to say like, oh, man, we, yeah, we ran this call. But I got to say, I really noticed that I felt really anxious in that moment or I felt really proud of my team or I noticed that I kind of froze. Like what what were you experiencing as the responder responding to that call? And then how can you talk about it from that perspective with your family? Because then you're not talking about like the traumatic, gory stuff. You're talking about it as a human and your own human response and reaction to the call that you ran. That's such a great point. Uh, I've had a couple of times in my career where I've, where I've really struggled after a call. And for me personally, it's not about the the care or what we see in particular. Uh, for me, I, I like what you said earlier about it's it's totally an analytical, clinical view. Yeah, like, yeah. ooh, that's really interesting how this happened to their body when it hit a car at whatever. Yep. You know, and so we look at it from a clinical standpoint, but it's for me personally, the emotional connection when we have family members of survive, uh, you know, mm. that have survived something that have the emotional breakdown and that yes. that impacts me. And so mm. I, I do come home and talk about that piece yeah. with my wife. And I had an experience at work several years ago where I did not handle that well. Mm. Um, I was given the opportunity at work to talk about that to the organization, which empowered me a little bit and I, I hope helped some people within the organization to hear that, hey, it's okay to to A, be emotionally impacted, and B, to not handle it well, and then yeah. hopefully from that go, how am I going to do it better next time? Absolutely. And we have so many more tools available to us, not only at my organization, but I think uh, just nationwide, there's hotlines, there's all kinds of things that, that are out there, no matter what your organization is. Yeah. But being able to talk to somebody else about it and and we're in a better place now where mm -hmm. it's okay. Absolutely. It's okay to talk about it. And and that that's it for me is those emotional things, you know. Yeah. Um, I can see dead people all day long, but it's the surviving that's spouse yes. and the loss and then that emotional mm -hmm. outpouring that you receive during those incidents, that hits me. Well, and you guys aren't trained to deal with that part. Not, not well, Yeah, <laughs> not, like not unless you go and do it on your own. That's right. not, that's not a class in paramedic school. So. Yeah, exactly. Like you guys are trained to treat the patient. You're not <clears throat> trained to like treat the family. And this is actually a conversation that's been coming up with some of my agencies recently, because I feel like my responder community is getting slammed from all ends right now. And, mm -hmm. and just lots of really awful calls and their aspect about those calls. And a lot of it is like, how do you deal with the family members? And they're like, oh, maybe we should do a training on this, like from a mental health perspective of like, how can we better support them but that's a whole other topic for another day absolutely yeah i think uh, yeah. but at the end of the day like what i think what we're getting at with like your own experience and exposure to calls is that as my buddy tyler and i say a lot like trauma is tricky mm. and because uh you guys do this day in and day out and it's what you've trained to do you're it doesn't always you're not always like very aware of how much it has an impact on you mm -hmm. and it might be like a, a moment in time where suddenly you're like i'm not okay 
right? And uh, you go into this profession being like, oh, I've got this. You get really excited when you go run calls. You're like, ah, finally, I get a job, right? Like whatever it is, like you get excited, it's energizing. But over time, it can wear on you. And I think it's important to like know what those signs and symptoms are for you as a responder and for like the, the partners and loved ones at home for like what are the signs and symptoms that you notice in your loved one as they come home. Are they more fatigued? Are they more irritable? Are they more withdrawn? Are they leaning on substances more than they used to? Are they, are they sabotaging plans? Are they no longer enjoying social activities? Like these are all potential signs of like what the high impact of trauma and situational awareness and uh, hypervigilance have the the potential to like really impact you over time and that's i think that's why it can be so challenging on the family life it's not just like lack of sleep it's Absolutely. like yeah you know and we don't know for the most part we don't know a lot of people's stories yeah. and what they have in their background so i would i would also say that it may be your 4 month employee as well as your 15 year employee yeah. you know the 15 year employee's cup just fills and fills and fills and fills until it overflows mm-hmm. I, I, I like that example, but your four month employee might not be prepared for the first time they see somebody, mm-hmm. you know, take their own life with a shotgun. Right. And, and so, you, you know, it doesn't matter how long you're, you're in your organization. Yeah. Um, we all have the ability, whether you're a brand new firefighter or a chief officer to, to be looking for those signs and look out for each other. Yeah. My personal thing that happened with me, I was a single resource, so I was by myself. Mm. So I didn't have that engine company to decompress mm. with after a call, which is so important that yeah. we, and you and I had this conversation, another one for yeah. another time, but about dark humor <laughs> yes. and how dark yeah. humor is such an important part of it what is. we do. Yeah. And so to not be able to crack completely inappropriate jokes in the engine going back from the call, um, but to do it by yourself mm-hmm. was something that did not go well for me. And so, mm. um, you know, lean on each other because this is your second family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And just knowing how to navigate that with your, with your family, family too, can be really hard. Right. Yep. And, and knowing like, cause it, it takes a lot of courage to admit when something is affecting you. Oh yeah. And I, I can imagine for a lot of you, there's an element of shame that comes from, um, like the potential for trauma to like actually catch up to you in some way and to admit yeah. when things are hard. Well, I think, I think organizationally or, or across the fire service industry and probably public safety in general, we're trying to find that balance between, yeah. um, at some point in time, you have to be able to do your job. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to be okay with it to some degree. Yep. You can't be all wussy wussy all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know what but you have to, you have to acknowledge it. Uh, yeah. And I don't know where that balance is. Yeah. I had a long conversation with another chief officer about where that is about being, and I don't know if too soft is the right term. I don't mm. know what the right term is, but, but where is that balance between you have to have some hardness. You are going to see some bad things. Yeah. It's, and, it's hard skills and soft skills. Right. And, yeah. and where that balance is. And I think we're still trying to find that as we are with a lot of things in the fire service, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I feel really lucky to be in an organization that has clinicians that mm-hmm. are in the stations and we have therapy dogs and we have, we have just so many resources, um, whatever resonates with you, uh, yeah. it might be coming back and, and petting a dog that's in the station and that's all you need is a little yeah. fur therapy and that's great. Um, and so, you know, for all those listening, if your organization doesn't have some of those tools, um, ask about them yeah. and uh, and be proactive in your organization because having a, a multitude of tools will will just empower you organizationally yeah. for all of the different personalities you have there. 
for sure. Um, how would you say that uh, West Metro supports families? Oh my gosh, in so many ways. I, I think first and foremost, we have a lot of support within the organization day to day. And so that just helps empower us um, and we're, um, we're healthy when we go home. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. We have a family support network. Mm-hmm. There's a, and so there's um, social media, there's a wives network. And so they can all interact with each other. Um, I think we try and do a lot of different family things. I think our union in particular um, tries to host a lot of different family things so that yeah. people can be connected. And then um, from an HR standpoint, we have mental health access for everybody within your family. And yeah. so that's really important. And uh, awesome. just to toot your horn a little bit more, again, <laughs> to have your spouse or have your children or have yourself go to a clinician with public safety background so you don't, um, I use the term, but waste a couple of sessions yeah. trying to describe why it's a normal thing for you to experience right. all of these things. You can just you can just dive right in and, and that's really, really important. And that's available to your entire family. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I work with a lot of spouses because, because of my role as a spouse, I find that they're drawn to coming to see me, even Mm -hmm. in my couple's work, because it's like, Hey, I hang out with firefighters all the time. Like I'm in your stations. I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm doing rides with chiefs. I'm doing trainings. I'm doing peer support and I'm a spouse. So like I can kind of tackle it from, from both sides, which is, it's cool. The other thing I would highlight is just, we're a, we're a family organization. We've written that into our, uh, our mission statement. Mm -hmm. And so family coming by the station and Mm -hmm. hosting dinners and things like that. It was very difficult during COVID when we had Mm -hmm. restrictions for visits um, because that's a, that's part of culturally who we are. And so to kind of have that back really, really important. We want our firefighters to have family come by and see where they work and, and be part of that process so that they know that. And so um, we don't want just our neighbors coming by, but we obviously want our families too. And we welcome that. So. Oh my gosh, my husband first got hired in 2020, so I was so disappointed because yep. I never got to go see him. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yep. it was rough. I was like, because yep. I was looking forward to like joining the family, and I was like, I felt like I never got to join the family. <laughs> yeah, I've heard from other organizations yeah. that culturally that doesn't happen, and again, I think, uh, I think your family is part of who you are when you're yeah. at work, and so, so true. you know, not being able to show them this is where I sleep and mm. this is where we eat and this is why we have four refrigerators or whatever, <laughs> right? All of those things yeah. are important for your, for your family to visualize. Absolutely. Yep. I have one last question for you. At you least bet. the only question that's on my mind. Um, yeah. I'm curious what your exit and reentry looks like now, because obviously we spent a lot of time talking about what it was like for you in the early days with the yep. young family, but what do you do now? It's just so different with grown children and being a chief officer and at West Metro, the, the, uh, the line chiefs switch over at night so that's been a big change to, uh, I like what you talked about earlier about all that cortisol and everything starts mm-hmm. to hit early. Mm-hmm. And so the, the day before I go into work, trying really, really hard to not be at work, not be at work, to <laughs> yeah. not be looking yeah. at the staffing program or uh, be thinking about what's going to be on the calendar. Uh, we go in the night before so that we can be ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already going in the night before. And so yeah. I'm, I personally am focusing really hard on not looking at much of anything until I go in to already to have that time built in already yeah. to get prepared for the next set. So um, a little bit different. Our sleep patterns, I think, are a little bit different too mm-hmm. because being a chief officer, you don't go out as much. Right. Um, 
one of the things that I think keeps me up more now, other than, you know, aging and, <laughs> and all the things that come along with that is um, I worry more about the crews that, mm. that work with me and uh, knowing that they're up at night and they're running all those calls and um, uh, empowering them to make decisions about what their next days look like on the 4896, yeah. um, but not managing them. I, I don't have anybody that needs to be managed. I tell my folks that I just try and stay out of their way. They're really good, but mm -hmm. but I worry about that. I sure. worry about us culturally across the American Fire Service, how we're getting busier and busier, and I'm, I'm apprehensive for the day that I get a phone call that one of my crew members has had a car accident on the way home because yeah. they fell asleep or whatever. And yeah. so um, mm -hmm. those are challenges that are facing us, I think, in the future about the busyness. Uh, and, you know, we're not hiring more people because uh, – you know, you don't our, have our, room for them. <laughs> well, we don't have the budget for yeah. it. We don't have the space for it. And so um, across the country, that's that's a conversation that's that's happening. Oh, right my now. gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Across the yes. Yeah, the agencies that I work with directly. This is a conversation everyone is having because uh, it's like their call volume has gone up, but their personnel number hasn't gone up. So an average responder is now responding to more calls than they ever used to. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a lot. So. You also do something unique. Uh, yeah. uh, you ride your bike to work. I do. So yeah. talk about that. Well, um, I'm just lucky enough to live relatively close enough and have uh, a good city to be able to ride in. And for me, that's part of my transition. Yeah. And so uh, being able to ride in and not be in traffic and uh, put in music and mm -hmm. get a workout in on the way in and then on the way home is a huge, um, mm -hmm. a huge thing for me to yeah. have that that transition period. And so one of my coworkers, he's a, he's a big jumper. And mm -hmm. so he'll go to the bike park after work and he'll throw his body, his caution to the wind and, and do crazy <laughs> stuff. And that, and that's his thing. I love uh, it. It's, it's just part of my routine and it's yeah. been great. I, so I love good. it. So, uh, I'm not thrilled about all this afternoon rain <laughs> yes, we're getting rain. now yeah. that I ride in, in the afternoon, but I know it's like, it's finally summer and you're like, cool. Like I still can't ride. <laughs> yeah. Still have some of those underpasses that are closed because oh. uh, they're flooded out, but, um, yeah. it's been a huge benefit. I, I love it. And again, whatever your routine is, that's just, yeah. been, that's just been part for me. So that's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, my husband doesn't have the luxury of riding his bike into work, but yep. he does use his, his time driving to and from work really intentionally. Uh, and you know, people like when he got a job that was like an hour away, people would ask us if we're moving and we're like, no, he's right. fine. He doesn't yep. have to go to work every day. Like it's, 10 days out of the month like it's fine yep. um and but he uses that time intentionally because you guys do have like a constant hyper vigilant situational awareness state of mind when you're at work and i think unfortunately a lot of our responders don't know how to come off of that um when they come home and so i think that's why i see an increased amount of social anxiety uh, because like you guys don't feel like you can actually just enjoy being like a normal human and citizen in social events. Mm -hmm. And because you are, you have been exposed to so much of like the, you've, you've seen what can happen. Therefore yeah. you believe it can happen and you believe like the chances of it happening are now far more likely than like I would mm -hmm. as a just civilian. Yeah. And so uh, my husband will use his drive time to like literally talk himself down out of being so situationally aware. And I, I poke fun at him a little bit because he almost becomes a little aloof. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> like fun. it is yeah. funny, but sure. I, but I appreciate it. I joke yep. and I'm like, you could maybe 
bring it up like half a step, um, but like we'll be in the grocery store and he'll just stop in the middle of the aisle and like not be aware of the fact that people are trying to get around him. Like yep. it's that kind of yep. thing. But yep. I, but I actually appreciate that about him. And I, and I've, I've told him, I hope that you like practice this for the rest of your career where you will like be intentional about coming off of work and coming into home because, uh, because I, I want you to still enjoy things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if you're driving, maybe listening to heavy metal on the way home yeah. isn't the best way to do that. Or uh, maybe it is. Or maybe it is, right? <laughs> or everybody's unique, yeah. you yeah. know. But for me, I kind of uh, got into jazz a little bit. Yeah. And so th- that's kind of a way to wind down for yeah. me if, I, if I'm if i driving in the car. If I don't have some music on, then I tend to get more arrayed at other drivers. Mm. Um, and so for me, that's part of like tuning out everything else that's going yeah. on around me. So I don't road rage. <laughs> so, I like but, that. um, I call it road but, anger. I yeah. don't get ragey, right. but I get, I can get angry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Another yeah. reason to ride your bike to work. But, yes, um, so and so again, just everybody's, everybody's unique. So whatever's yeah. working for you, find that thing, um, and build that into your transition time. Absolutely. Reentry. Yeah, the yep. reentry, the exit and reentry. I know it's it's unique language, uh, but I do think it's extremely applicable. Just like Travis was saying, with like our NASA astronauts that have been gone for months in space in an environment that very few people can relate to. I often think about our military personnel who have been gone for months to years at a time, and uh, their reentry back into civilian life can be extremely challenging because they've been in a combat zone and maybe they've had to do things that like they can't or don't feel like they can talk about with uh with their loved ones or an average person because like it would terrify them and um there's a really fantastic book out there called tribe by sebastian younger uh he addresses this a lot this is why like he he shares that many of our veterans end up re-upping and going back because there's a sense of familiarity in those environments like the people there get it just like the the metaphor my husband used of the third world country like you guys get it uh it's the it's your sharing of the good bad and the ugly and you're going through it together and uh and that that's why so many people go back to those environments but their transition into civilian life can be really hard and i think about how you guys are doing that all the time you're Absolutely. having to do it on a regular basis. And so uh, that that's why this, I use that language because you, you are exiting your combat zone and yeah. com- coming into civilian life, but then you're exiting your civilian life and re-entering into your combat zone. Uh, and I call it the predictably unpredictable nature of your job. There's something familiar there. There's people there who get it. You have shared interests. You have shared training. You're ideally going to accomplish those goals together. And even though you might not have any clue what's going to happen that day, you at least have people there with you who understand it. Yep. And the home life can actually be more stressful for people because they might be even more unpredictable there. And you might feel like you actually have less control. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really challenging. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm curious uh, for all of you listening. I mean, feel free to please let me know what your strategies are for exit and reentry and how you do this well or uh, what you've noticed other people do well. And uh, this is something I'm counseling people on a lot and I don't have all the answers. So I would love to know what you all do to, to make that transition with your own lives. So. Yep, let us know. And thanks for having me here. This oh has been gosh. real special. This so has been so great. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. It's been super fun. You bet. Thanks. Thank you.